Welcome to Sportsnet Tonight with Elliot Price. Brought to you by Ye Old Orchard Pub. There's a lead pass in on Bo McDavid. Scores! 3-1 Canada! Here's the 1-2 pitch from Martinez. The 2-1 pitch. Cordero swings. Base hit. The Expos will win. The Expos will win. Cordero with a base hit to win the ball game in the bottom of the ninth inning. The drought is over. Drink it in, Canada. World champions. And now, here's your host, Elliot Price. Price. Nice weekend for Canadians on a couple of fronts when it comes to individual sporting events. Golf's Adam Hadwin. Turned in a 13 birdie, no bogey, 13 under, 59 on Saturday at the weekend's PGA event. Just the fourth 59 ever on a par 72 PGA Tour event. Eventually, Hadwin placed an incredibly respectable second, good for $626,000. That moved him into 10th in the FedEx points. He's 7th in putting overall this year, and that'll get you there. But as nice as that may be, and not as an aside, a Canadian has won on the PGA Tour. You know, even a Masters. Thank you, Mike Weir. It's now about the Australian Open tennis. The tournament king killers have wiped out the top two seeds and top players in the world. Andy Murray and Novak Djokovic. And that leaves, guess who, at number three. And the top seed left in the season's first Grand Slam. That's right, Canada's Milos Raonic. Fighting the flu? The Canadian battles on, and he's reached the point of being oh so close by being able to win even when he's not at his best. But that won't work as they bowl through the quarterfinals, which gets underway tomorrow. And you know how many Canadians have ever won a Grand Slam event in tennis. That's right, equal to Expo's World Series championships. So here we are, three wins away from history. Now if we can just get some of these matches on the two before the middle of the night. Monday, I'm Elliot Price, that's Grant Robinson, back from wherever it is that Grant Robinsons go uh, when they're busy and not here on Thursday and Friday. There's only one Grant Robinson, by the way. I know that's not a fact, that's an alternative fact I, I went with there, but I uh, I'll count it. We're allowed now. No. No? We're not, not, not on this show. Okay. There are no alternative facts on this show. There are only facts and lies. Who's comes up with, seriously though, like alternative facts and said it with a full serious face? It's good for life now. <laughs> I couldn't believe that. Seriously? I'm just... Are you, I'm at saying, the, are you at the point of disbelieving anything? No, but I understand why he says dumb things, you know? I, I'm saying your job when you're on TV is to, you know, 
you're supposed to make sure that you make him look better when you do things well, like they this. They weren't going to make him look oh, wetter man. if they agreed that yeah, what was said fair. previously. <laughs> so fair. you just got to toe the party line. You got to do everything oh, you man. can until you look so stupid that they have to find someone else because you look so stupid. It's going to be a fun job. No, it's not. It's no, not for them. Be fun. <laughs> it's not for. Uh, it's entertaining. No, it's not entertaining. <laughs> All right. At which uh, at which point did you tune out? Oh, I watched. Uh, the, you're talking about his inauguration? No, I'm talking about both football games yesterday. Oh, I watch them. I watch those. I watch them till the end. Really? And you know what? Both teams can score. Like I, I'm a firm believer that if you look at the Green Bay Atlanta game, it was the same kind of. No, script. what was the score at halftime? Oh, was it, was it 24? I, I know they were down uh, by... I'm just saying, the Cowboys were down to the Packers the same way. They were playing good, but they just weren't scoring. The Packers had nope. the fumble in the red zone. No, I thought they would score different. a bit. I had, I had confidence. I knew it was going to be... I watched the rest of the Cowboys. I didn't. Wa- I turned it off. I'm in pools, though, so the stats matter, too, right? Uh, so I, I won already. They've all conceded. There you go. Uh, they've well, all congratulations, that, uh, but no, you have lost because the Cowboys are not oh, around. I agree. Okay? I agree. He's telling me the Cowboys... Cowboys and the healthy Raiders couldn't have done a better job yesterday than those two crap teams did. Anyways, uh, I left at halftime on one and just past halftime on the other. And that, that, that pretty much was it. And what a lousy day of football. You know, you set it up for the, the four best teams. Well, I'm telling you, the two best teams better be the two best teams because if the Falcons can't hold up their own end against the New England Patriots, this will have been a terrible football season. Because really, we got lucky with two playoff games so far. That's it. Ah, man, you're not wrong. And look, last week's Cowboys-Packers was great. It's just, it gets... Kansas City-Pittsburgh was good. There were two good games. That's it. This happens sometimes, though. Look, we got to give credit to the Patriots and the Falcons. They still, if you look at Matt Ryan and Tom Brady... I mean, they were unstoppable, but again, not uh, the best uh, watch I've had. There there is so much uh, to cover, and uh, we'll see what we can do. Falcons in the Super Bowl? Did you know that a Montreal doctor helped get them there? We'll talk to him after 9.30. Uh, Eric Engels, should you be concerned about Alex Galchenyuk? We'll talk to Eric uh, coming up uh, just after the update at 8.30. And, of course, uh, DK, we'll see how far Dan Kalis got as far as uh, watching the football games were concerned. His team is long gone, the New York Giants. So we'll see, and hopefully two weeks from now we'll have a decent uh, football game. But a lot of voices to take care of because a lot has happened uh, with Milos Raonic and with um, Patrick Lyonet, DeMar DeRozan, Alex Galchenyuk, Tiger Woods. Busy, busy, busy. Don't go away. First, the opening face-off, and that's next. You're listening to Sportsnet Tonight with Elliot Price. Tackling the latest headlines and the hottest topics, it's time for the opening face-off with Elliot Price and Grant Robinson. Super Bowl set. Patriots and Falcons. Before we get to the winners, uh, which we will in the next few questions, what are your thoughts on the teams that lost this weekend? Uh, we'll start with the Packers. Their season, the, how they how they played in the playoffs. Uh, what are some thoughts on them this year? Well, you know what? Pretty much the same thing. Green Bay and Pittsburgh. You, you got to make plays. You can't you can't fumble the ball when you're heading towards the end zone. You can't miss field goals. You can't make mistakes in championship games. I know that both of these games look significantly lopsided. But what if? What if they make the field goal? What if they don't fumble the ball? 
Okay, now it's a game. Now that's 10 points you put on the board, and you got nothing, nothing. And it didn't look like Atlanta was a team that was going to be stopped. But eventually they might get tired if you also put points on the board. But you didn't do that. And Pittsburgh, obviously you can't lose uh, Olivia on Bell, but they drop passes. you got to no, make, when the guy puts the ball in your hands, you got to catch it. And this has been the hallmark for just about every team that has lost in the playoffs so far. As much as you want to laud the teams that were victorious, there were plays to be made that had nothing to do with the defense. I had one New England Patriot there in the end zone celebrating after his guy didn't make the play, but he had nothing to do with it. Yeah, the guy that. dropped <laughs> the ball, and I'm going, dude, you were embarrassed. Your guy beat you, and he didn't catch the ball, and you should just put your head down and walk away because you look like an idiot. I Look, you, you talked about drops. For, for me, the Steelers... And the question is, what could have been? Because this team all year, look, hey, they they were in a, a tough spot, four and five after week ten. Same as the Packers. Everybody talks about the Packers run, right? That they ran the table. The Steelers have won more in a row. They won nine in a row. Uh, they came up short this end. It's about, like you said, missing plays. They had a better chance than the Packers in this game. They were kind of in it. And yes, but but the th- the problem is, once you would get into a, uh, it's now a close game thing. Without Livion Bell, you've, you've, yeah, you've you have it. You have a genius on defense on the other side of the field who's going to be able to hone in on less now because that's one bullet that's not in the chamber anymore. You just can't operate without a full tank against the New England 100%. Patriots. And everybody says, you know, well, Le'Veon Bell, D'Angelo Williams no. can rush the ball. Yes, he can, but Le'Veon Bell it does more than this. If, if nobody was paying attention, this guy played 12 games, had 75 receptions. Yeah. He was on pace for 100 yards. If you look at his total yards, like yards from scrimmage, catching and receiving... 157 yards a game, that's three yards short of an NFL record. So this guy was a huge part of the offense. And the other part, what they do? Receivers dropping balls, right? Yeah. Who should have been on this team? Martavis Bryant. Remember him last year? I understand. Year? But also, if, if Le'Veon Bell is in the game, you tell me the Steelers don't score that touchdown? The one yard, yeah, I agree. There's no question. Him out of the backfield. Anyway, I don't know that they would have beaten the Patriots anyway, but you didn't give yourself a chance. So both teams uh, did not play to their best abilities, and often it had nothing to do with the opposition. As for beating the Patriots, like you said, Foxborough beating them there is never easy. And Packers, look, great run. Aaron Rodgers said they're going to run the table. They did. Phenomenal. The problem is, if he wasn't great... This team wasn't good enough uh, to win when he's average. He needs to be otherworldly, which he was. Everybody has a bad game. Tom Brady had a bad game against the Texans. The Patriots won him that game. You know, Deion Lewis, three touchdowns. Uh, where was that for Aaron Rodgers? It wasn't there, and, the, and that happens. So both teams have a lot to be proud of. The two league's hottest teams sure. at that point, not anymore. Now it's, now it's the Falcons and the Patriots. But, so. but, in, but in the end, considering where, where Green Bay, right, and... Um where they came from, um, where Pittsburgh came from. They were both in the same they're, spot. They're both like semi-satisfied yeah, that they went home and they made it to the conference championship games, and that's never good enough. So sticking with the Patriots now, we talked about how they beat the Steelers. What do you think of their season in making the Super Bowl? How did they make What's the story for the Patriots? When you look back five years from now, if you're talking about them this season, what would you be talking about? You'd be talking about the total package. And and I'm not ta- and, and we'll hear we'll hear from both Tom Brady and from Bill Belichick uh, during our voices, and they will spell it out. This is not only about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. It's about getting a receiver like Hogan. It's about blunt running the ball. It's about the blocking up front. It's about getting the people in place. And this is a total organizational bonanza, year after year after year, yeah. that they don't win the Super Bowl every year. 
there's not a lot you can do sometimes other than win as many games as you can, but they are the standard. No question. Look, you said it. Everybody brings up Tom Brady. Uh, no question. He's he's amazing. He's great. But it's classic Patriots here, man. No Gronkowski, the only other star right. on that team. He's gone. But they they are they are deeper uh, depth wise than they have been during years when they've won Look, championships. Other people's trash. Like Garrett Blunt was cut by the Steelers. Uh, he he was tossed around the league. He led the league in rushing touchdowns this year. 18 I'm, touchdowns. I'm trying to remember the article that I read a month or two ago about how um, New England and Belichick go through people and what they have to do to stick within the organization. At, at the beginning... You end up uh, just going through thousands and thousands of small little bits of information. And you work countless hours because you work for the Patriots. And if you do a really good job, people will respect you and you will end up with a job in the business. And so you work a lot for a little bit of money. You work on minute details that end up being points of victory. And it, it goes so deep that you don't even know these people. Sure? Nobody knows these people. And they, that's what they do. Look, it, right. I'll, I'll just close with this. Everybody who talks about all the other teams, it's all stars. Patriots, their two biggest stars last year on defense, Chandler Jones, Jamie Collins, both gone. Doesn't matter. They I don't understand. skip a beat. But they do, but they have had stars, and it works yeah. that way, too. Chris Hogan yeah. did nothing, well, not nothing all year, but average. Game of his life. The week before, Deion Lewis, zero touchdowns all year, three in that week. One, every week, they game plan to your weaknesses, and they have the talent. Like you said, it's about having the talent and Again, knowing how to use it. Uh, the it's other incredible. day, Randy Moss still talking about uh, his time with the New England Patriots, even though they got rid of him as the touchdowns. greatest uh, time. You know, it just works. 23 touchdowns in a season. Not even close, nobody no. else. So uh, Now, Atlanta Falcons. Patriots, we agree, people knew... Or not new, but assume the Patriots would be there, right? More bets on the Patriots to win the Super Bowl than anybody else. Falcons were different, right? Eight and eight last year. Everybody thought Carolina was going to win that division and, and kind of go up. Atlanta, here, this is a stat, something I read today. The Atlanta Falcons had less bets on them to yeah. win the Super Bowl than the Cleveland Browns this year. Now, I know that has to do with odds, but Atlanta started at 40 to 1. They moved them to 100 to 1, and it still didn't bring action on them. So, you know, what about the Falcons? What's their story? <sighs> they remind me of the Steelers. This is, this is the problem here. You know, and maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're because their defense has to be better than Pittsburgh's to be able to knock off New England. But they're they're built on uh, a quarterback that had a tremendous year, a running back Incredible. that always plays well, and uh, and you know I, I know that uh, Sanu has been a revelation along with Julio Jones. But their offense seems kind of similar to Pittsburgh, a little more high-octane because their passing game is jumped up a little bit. But they have to be able to play better defense than Pittsburgh did, or, or we're going to watch another dud. I, I agree. Look, you, you mentioned the defense. Vic Beasley, 15.5 sacks, led the league. Uh, rookies Deion Jones and Keanu O'Neal, they're two top tacklers. This is why Atlanta's here. I look at it. I got to give Dimitrov credit. It's all their draft. It's not free agents. Alex Mack was a good signing, yes. But last three drafts, Jake Matthews, Hagman, Freeman, Collins, Coleman, Beasley, Neil, Jones, they're all the huge contributors that you see here. And Julio Jones, remember how much they gave up for him? And everybody said, while well, I read another article saying Bill Belichick told them not to do it. Did it? It seemed to work out. The guy's got three foot injuries. It's not, nothing stopping him. But I, I agree, their offense right now, 
Sanu and Gabriel are good. Julio Jones is great, uh, elite, if anything. And Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, right. the running backs, yep. they, they had 27 touchdowns this year. They're yeah, not, Coleman, this Coleman comes, up, all year. comes out of the backfield, catches the ball, uh, almost gives you another receiver. Yeah, there's no question. They have a multifaceted offense, but you're going to have to play defense against the New England Patriots. You're yeah, going to have to be able to score at least you. shut them down every you now the and then. total? 58 and a half they, they just, have it. It's the will. highest but total But Atlanta scored ever. at will also. Yep, so again, what we'll see there. Uh, one of the more intriguing stories of the weekend, sticking with football here, but out, away from the game, the fire alarm being pulled by a Patriots fan. Uh, I like his excuse. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm drunk, drunk. I'm, I'm stupid. stupid. I'm a Patriots fan. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but, look, he, he pulls the fire alarm, fa- uh, forces an evacuation at 4 a.m., what did you think of this? Because some call it cheating yeah, by the Patriots. It's just, uh, I, uh, others say well, it's just gamesmanship. I, I, I tweeted out Alarmgate. Well, I'm sorry. This is so typical. They, they've they've been uh, they've been accused. Oh, because they're the Patriots, so we just accuse them. Uh, they've been accused of filming other teams' practices. Yeah. They've been accused of uh, deflating or inflating footballs. Uh, they've been accused of uh, all of a sudden the um, equipment for. Communication between quarterbacks and uh, and offensive coordinators don't work in Foxborough. All of a sudden, uh, they've been accused of many things, and this is just the latest. And you know what? Gamesmanship, baby. I don't like it. I don't like the Patriots for these kinds of things. But this is not anything new. Scotty Bowman used to uh, do things with dressing rooms Make and them uncomfortable. I yeah. don't know. You know, paint it just before they got there. Or, you know, you, I'll say that. Look, there's no proof that the Patriots had anything to do with it. It probably was just a fan. But Alan Fan I'm sorry. Did you hear what he said? Uh, he's a Steelers yeah. uh, Hall of Famer, essentially yeah. for the Steelers. He'll probably end up being there. Uh, he says that every time he went to Foxborough. Now, again, is this factual? I don't know. He says this happened yeah. every single time they played uh, in Boston. So, so there you go. How difficult is it to find one guy? Well. It's not the same guy. Now, this no, is where you I just come have in. To find one you can't find guy. The, the... you can't find the team because if that was the case, no, if not. you were going to punish them, I would be against Patriots and go do it I, I, to get I them liked, the punishment. Uh, when when I saw uh, somebody tweeted out that he'd been uh, he'd been bailed out, and somebody wanted to know if a guy with a hoodie showed up. <laughs> I didn't see that, but that's great. But what, what should the punishment be for someone who does it? I think this is Just where put I him in jail. This make should him, be a serious spend, punishment. A serious punishment. This is an idiot, stupid, drunk but person. Hear me out here. Make him spend a weekend in jail and see what Could happens this, then. If you had the biggest interview of oh. your life, okay, coming up, the biggest interview, something huge, you, everything can, rides on this, and you're woken up at 4 a.m. and rushed yeah. out into... You you know the next day. Your, your whole schedule's thrown off. It affects you. Now, did they lose because of it? I'm not saying that. But this is... A, a, how much do the Rooney's pay the Steelers, 160 million a year. There's a lot of money here. It's not some joke. Uh, now, having it said wasn't, that, uh, it wasn't a Trump hotel, was it? <laughs> I'm just you know. Let me. I'll say this though. If you tell me Grant Leafs are winning the Stanley Cup, you spend a few nights in jail. You're Sign me to, up. You're going to ring alarms. I'm going. I will go. Pay the fine for me, please, because that part maybe won't be as tolerable. But a few nights away. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I'll, I'll tell I'll you what it. comes with the record. <laughs> and now the other part, uh, Le'Veon Bell, the, uh, the, the last question here. Yep. Le'Veon Bell, did you hear him after the game say? I did not. It, well, what he said is right away in the game, he could tell he didn't have the burst he usually had. It's a lingering injury he's had for a few weeks. He's played through it uh, and just couldn't go today. 
yet he was never on the injury report uh, at all for his groin injury that he said he's had for weeks. Richard Sherman, uh, when they got eliminated, said he had a knee, something with a big knee injury at all season he played with it, was never on the injury report. The NFL's investigating, uh, is looking at punishments for the Seahawks oh, because... It's apples and oranges, okay? Because for the most part, Sherman's a guy that the other teams won't target. Well, no, but well, where I'm going with this no. is, should there be a punishment for keeping guys uh, off the list, off off the IR? If is you it have, fair? if you have a rule that says you have to be on there, then there should be a punishment. If not, don't have a rule. I'm fine with forcing you to say Richard Sherman lower body injury. I'm fine with that. But when you start saying left foot or or right arm, my my right shoulder's there. You're telling me if I'm the star, the other team's not trying to hit my right shoulder. I don't want to put a bullseye on my injury. I get that, but you. You should have to put, you know, for, I know it sounds bad, but people are betting on this stuff. You know, it's important to know that Le'Veon Bell might not play uh, in quarter one. Now, I, I know it's different. I get where it's coming from, but I also understand in a contact sport, you don't want to say, hey, this is a, you do want your, go- your if you're in a golf tournament that's worth a million dollars, you want people knowing about your elbow when you're hanging out with them all week? I played well with the uh, sore elbow, though. I got but what if it got sore? Well, that would More be something sore. else completely. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I I get where the NFL's coming, but relax with the serious punishments. Nobody cares about the injury report, really. All right. Voices coming up next. Galchenyuk, Raonic, Hogan, Brady, Belichick, Tiger, Maurice, DeMar, and a whole lot more. That's next on Sportsnet Tonight. You're listening to Sportsnet Tonight with Elliot Price and Grant Robinson. All right, welcome back. Time for Voices, the uh, people who made news in the last 24 to 48 hours. Let's start with the Montreal Canadiens. Houston, we have a problem. How big is the problem? We do not know. What we know is Alex Galchenyuk re-injured his knee. Not serious, says the coach, but he will not play tomorrow, and he was just coming back and just starting to come on again. The process about uh, uh, with young players, you know, and then... Um, I like the way, uh, I really like the way that he played um, against New Jersey, obviously, you know. He was really involved in the game, both sides of the ice, and it's crucial to get success. So uh, he's got to focus on those things. It was a back-to-back game, uh, first time since his, uh, his injury, um, a bit t- more tougher, I'll say, the back-to-back. And he got hurt during that game, so it's really tough to make a good judgment. Uh, but you know what? He's, the kid's got pride. He wants to get better. He's working hard. He's got a good attitude. And uh, for me, but for me as a coach, it's at time I got I got to help him, no matter how, and uh, uh, to refocus and, and doing the right thing. Canadians coach. Michelle Terrian. We'll talk more about that with Eric Engels uh, coming up after Grant's update. Milos Raonic. We talked about that on the opener. Here he is. Highest seed still going. It didn't look good in set number one in his fourth round match, but he came back from a huge hole. Uh, it went a long ways for me. Things would have been very difficult if uh, that was not the case. Uh, coming back from 5-1 in that first set was very important. Obviously, I had a lot of chances at the beginning of that set to take uh, two breaks, to get up two breaks, which is a scenario that uh, I'll feel very confident with with my game in. And um, It didn't pan out that way, so to be able to turn around that scenario was significant and it paid off towards the end of the match where there was a lot of ups and downs, and uh, thankfully I was able to come out on top. 
before you said you were going to have to dictate tonight's match if you were to win. How difficult was it to achieve? Yeah, there was a lot of moments where that was going up and down. There was a lot of moments where I was the one being reactive. There was uh, a few moments also where I was able to control sort of the pace of the match. Uh, thankfully, I finished off being able to control the scenario, and that turned out good for me. But uh, something I'm going to have to definitely pay a lot of attention to for my next match as well. Uh, Rafa has said that you can be the world's best if you keep improving as you are. What, how do you respond to that? Oh, it's a great honour, and uh, especially coming from a player that's as successful and uh, as experienced and has achieved as many great things as he has being up there as one of the best players of all time. But it's, uh, it's a compliment that uh, doesn't do the work for me. i got to keep going out there every single day, putting in the work, and with that conviction that, uh, and that, those objectives that it's going to help me get better and it's going to get me closer and closer to achieving those things. Milos Raonic on to the quarterfinals. Meanwhile, the Patriots are on to the finals, going to the Super Bowl. Who the hell is Chris Hogan? He's a, notice lacro a noted lacrosse player from Monmouth. <laughs> what a day. He's having a huge first half. That's his third third down conversion. Back to him they go. The flea flicker. Brady to the end zone. And it's a New England touchdown. Right back to Hogan again. It takes a lot of people and um, a lot of hard work, a lot of effort over the course of many months. And, uh, you know, this didn't start at 640 tonight. You know, this thing started in April. It really started before that in free agency. We're picking up guys like Hogan and drafting guys like Malcolm Mitchell and guys were in rehab like LG and D. Lou and Dev and Nate and, and all those guys. So it's a lot of hard work. I mean, it's only two teams left standing, and I'm happy we're one of them. Um, you know, that's what our goal is, and it's nice to be able to achieve that. We're very fortunate. You know, we have a good a good team. We have a lot of good players. We have good depth. Uh, Nick Casario and uh, his staff, uh, you know, Dave Ziegler on the pro side, you know, Monty on the college side and all the guys that work in there. I mean, they've done a great job of, you know, helping to build the depth on this team. And look, every team has injuries. Every team loses a player. It's unfortunate, but that just that's life in the NFL. But we've had players that have been able to work hard, be prepared, and take advantage of those opportunities and help the team win in, in all three units and, and really every game. Um, you reference the beginning of the year, but it's you know it's been true in every game, really. So it's a credit to those guys, a credit to the depth on our team and the way that those guys prepare. So there you go. Obviously, uh, Bill Belichick, before that, Tom Brady. It's deep. We talked about that earlier. It goes deep into uh, the personnel, coaches and scouts and players and it really is unbelievable as the Patriots keep running this out year after year after year. The Falcons are there for the second time in their history. For teams that have rocked this place for 25 years, uh, we felt your energy from the very beginning. So it's uh, only fitting uh, that the NFC Championship game, the last game played here, uh, we felt that juice. So with that, I appreciate it. When I walked out for pregame is when, um, honestly, I felt you know the intensity and the juice of the crowd. And I just remember leaning over to one of the coaches. I said, this awesome, man. And... Uh, so it was that not till the end do you let yourself have those moments to uh, to go to a different spot. So um, for me, it wasn't until uh, I took the headset off at the end, to be honest with you. Our communication got better, you know. Their awareness for plays got better, and, you know, 
the young team has, you know, developed and we've gotten much better. It's, it's amazing. You know, it's, it's a dream come true. It's everything we've worked for. You know, we've we've went in week in and week out. And the one thing Coach Quinn, you know, makes make sure that we follow the process and we take it day by day and we never look past any team. We never disrespect any team. And that's what we did. We went out there and we went week in and week out and we call every week a championship week, you know, and we make them all feel the same. And, and that's what happened. And when the games feel the same, these games are not too big for us because we're, we're used to it. Honestly, it's, it's tough. Uh, and to string together and to keep guys healthy and to get the opportunity and to be playing your best at the right time, there's a lot of things that have to go into it. Um, and, and I feel like this team that we've had this year has been the right mix. I mean, we're, we're a team that's gotten better as the year has gone on, offense, defense, special teams. Uh, and I feel like we're starting to play our best ball now. I think there's, there's always opportunities to get better. Um, and, and sometimes they happen in different ways, whether it's a loss or a win or a play here or there. Um, you know, there's, there's something that, that kind of kicks in, and, and I feel like it has for our team. Uh, I, I really think it's, it's changed in our preparation. I, I really feel like for the last, you know, two months, we've, we've attacked the week the right way. I mean, we've really prepared well, uh, competed really, really well in practice, and I think that's shown in the way that we play. NFC champion, Atlanta Falcons. That was Matt Ryan. We also heard from Julio Jones and coach Dan Quinn. And indeed, what a hell of a way to finish off um, the only place I've ever seen a regular season NFL game. Georgia Dome, half empty. Sunday night. Monday night, I don't even remember. Philadelphia and Atlanta. And Jeff George gets into it with June Jones on the sidelines. Famous scene. Uh, which I believe was pretty much the end of Jeff George in Atlanta. All right, uh, when is the new beginning for Patrick Lyonet in Winnipeg? And an opportunity to get on the ice today. They have games today and tomorrow. Here's Coach Paul Maurice. Better on both fronts. He went a lot harder than we thought he'd be able to. He That wasn't his first. So he he was cleared a day earlier and had a full practice, just we didn't have our team on it. It was a game day. So he, he, he went full on the day before. But yesterday was a day he went full on plus. So we tried to push him as hard as we possibly could just before he threw up. And, uh, and he got through it hard. He worked at it. And he feels really good, so he's been banging on the door a little bit here. He's feeling strong, feeling ready. If if we weren't playing San Jose tomorrow, if it wasn't back-to-back, we would have considered him for this game. Push him uh, just before he throws up. Nice! Uh, there's uh, Paul Maurice. So it looks like uh, Patrick Lyon back for tomorrow night. Back for this weekend. Tiger Woods, who expects to play four of the next five weeks. What's your level of, of confidence, I suppose, in, in your health that you're willing to uh, tee it up four times in five weeks right out of, right out of the box here after, you know, after such a long layoff? You know, I've, I feel good about it. Um, I just need to get out there and do it uh, and see what happens. Uh, I've, I feel like I'm, I'm strong enough um, to be able to handle the workload. Uh, but as I said uh, to Steve, I still got to go out there and do it. Um, so that's, you know, feeling good about it and doing it is, you know, two totally different things. I'm always nervous when I play because that means I care. And uh, I, I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to competing against these guys and getting out there. Um, I hope the weather holds, holds out so we can get some holes in. Um, but overall, I'm, I'm just very excited about, you know, getting started in the season. Uh, I've, I've missed playing. I've missed competing. And uh, I'm coming back to one of my favorite venues. And uh, we're looking forward to it. And then on top of that, you know, to have an opportunity to play Riviera again and uh, host this event. I mean, it's setting up to be a pretty good start to the year. Tiger Woods. We better watch out for Adam Hadwin.
Uh, second place finish this weekend, including a 59 on Saturday. Unbelievable. 13 birdies. 13 birdies. That's like uh, a whole year for me. All right, uh, finally, um, in a year in which he certainly has raised some conversation about being in the conversation for MVP, DeMar DeRozan with a bad ankle, and he will be lost to the struggling Raptors for at least two games. Try to go in the mindset this year of, you know, one and play, you know, all 82. You know, that was my mindset of, you know, just doing that at conference that. But, you know, things happen. You know, maybe it just, you know, forced me to sit down and get a rest for a couple of days and, you know, come back um, better. When it rains, it pours sometimes. And, you know, you just got to figure figure that part out. And, you know, once you get through that part of it, you know, it's, 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 it always comes out to be worth it. You know, that's how I always look at it. I think I'm just an optimist, optimistic type of guy. And that's how I just look at everything. So there you go, man. A lot of people in the news. A very group of individuals. And you think Tiger what? He's going to play well. I say he's going to win he the runs tournament. This tournament. He's going to play well. But so what? No, I'm just saying he he knows he ran, he the ran the tournament well, last year. So that's what I'm saying. So how he does in the others, I'll be more interested. But I think it's good to get his confidence up. And I'm excited. I'm always optimistic with Tiger. It has not paid off recently, but I'm not jumping ship now. Huh? Uh, we shall see. Looking forward to it. Also looking forward to talking to Eric Engels. We'll talk Habs after Grant's update, which comes your way in just a moment. This is Sportsnet Tonight on CFMB, 1280 AM in Montreal. I'm Elliot Price. Time now for a Sportsnet Tonight Sports Update. Here's Grant Robinson. The Super Bowl is set. It'll be the New England Patriots facing the Atlanta Falcons. And odds makers are expecting a high-scoring affair as it is the highest Super Bowl total ever at 58 and a half points. Uh, the Falcons beat the Packers 44-21 and ended Aaron Rodgers' incredible run. Matt Ryan, 392 yards, four touchdowns passing, one running, and Julio Jones, nine receptions, 180 yards and two touchdowns uh, to beat the Packers. The Patriots handled the Steelers 36-17. Le'Veon Bell left the game with an injury. Tom Brady, 384 yards, four touchdowns, and Chris Hogan. We already talked about oh. Julio Jones. That you could expect. Chris Hogan, nine receptions, 180 yards, two touchdowns. Identical stats there. Yeah, that's uh, crazy. And Brady, Brady and Ryan were very close as well. This is Tom Brady and Bill Belichick's record seventh trip to the Super Bowl. Uh, in the NHL, Habs not in action. They host the Flames tomorrow. They will be without Alex Galchenyuk, who re-injured his knee. Uh, we'll talk with Eric Engels next about the Montreal Canadiens and that Alex Galchenyuk injury. Elsewhere in the NHL, Washington leads 4-1 to one, uh, over Carolina. The Rangers are up 2-1 to one oh, they're over They're just getting LA. run over. It's 22-9 the shots now, and they've spent... 
the better part of the second period inside their own end, but they lead two to one. And Henrik Lundqvist is, is showing back up. He was There's looking only so awful. much you can do. Uh, you know, the goals are going to start coming. This keeps up. Also here, Toronto Calgary one nothing. Toronto Mitch Marner made it one nothing and is now tied with Austin Matthews uh, for the rookie lead in points. Anaheim Winnipeg Patrick Line cleared for contact, not in tonight, uh, but does look good for tomorrow. They lead, or they trail, sorry, two to one to the Anaheim Ducks. And finally, in baseball, some tragic news this weekend: Royals pitcher Yordano Ventura died in a car accident uh, while in Dominican Republic. Twenty-five-year-old, obviously a key contributor to the Royals uh, World Series win, and obviously that's pretty tragic. Andy news. Andy Marte also, uh, Arizona Diamondback, two of that's them very true. Uh, in the Dominican. So there you go. Uh, our interview with uh, Eric Engels coming up. We'll talk Canadians. Uh, the latest knee problem for Alex Galchenyuk. Uh, the resurgent performance of Carey Price and a whole lot more. Eric Engels coming up in just a moment. Price. I'm supposed to be the franchise player. I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. I never slice. Come on, Elliot. I meant to do that. In your gender direction. Elliot Price. You're tuned in to Sportsnet tonight with Elliot Price. C'est moi ici qui est responsable. Here on 1280 AM, Montreal. It's understanding that makes it possible for people like us to tolerate a person like yourself. Price. You know, Elliot, you were right. It's not a lie if you believe it. It's our triple threat, Eric Engels. Television, radio, sports writer, radio right now. How you doing, Eric? I'm doing great. How are you, Elliot? I'm okay. I wonder how Canadians fans are doing right now. What they hear is not always what is, and they want to hear something else other than Alex Galchenyuk is not available for tomorrow night's game because his knee has a problem with it. So what are we talking here? Well, the good news is it's it's day-to-day. He's only slated to miss Tuesday's game as of right now, although I'd be surprised to see him in Thursday's game with the All-Star break looming and the opportunity to get him some rest. And I get it. The Canadians fans are going to be concerned about this, but maybe they shouldn't be that concerned considering how the team fared without him for six weeks. Uh, and it's better that he get rested now and get healthy uh, ahead of what should be a playoff push and and some of the most demanding hockey this team is going to play moving forward. I mean, considering that the guys had a knee injury uh, on both sides now, and this is, you know, even just a little bit off of the last one that kept him out for almost two months, shouldn't there be some fears here? Yeah, there should be. There should be considerably more fear if uh, coming out of the All-Star break, Alex Galchenyuk isn't ready to resume playing. And maybe he's ready come Thursday, and maybe the Canadians decide to rest him. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure how that's all going to go, but Michel Therrien said, you know, this morning that this, this was, he did not come back too early. That was certainly not the case. He was well tested before he got back on the ice and played the last three games. Uh, he was certainly picking up his game from game to game. Had a great night in New Jersey on Friday, a pretty solid one against Buffalo when he got hurt in the second period and finished off the game. Um, and the fact that he did finish off the game would suggest that it's not that severe. So, um, you know, we'll take the Canadians at their word. I understand people have had uh, some concerns about doing that in the past, especially with the way things went for Carey Price last year. But, you know, all, all, all the reports seem to indicate that Kalchenyuk uh, is going to be injured day-to-day and, and on a short-term basis. And we'll see how that dossier develops over the next uh, few days. 
All right, Andre Markov and David Dearnay back on skates on the ice. Uh, what's the timeline here? Timeline, it, 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 very unlikely to see them this week. You know, I ran into David Dearnay last week. We suffered a bit of a setback in practice uh, a couple weeks ago, and the Canadians didn't call it that, but that's what it was. And, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, he was slated to miss six to eight weeks from December 6th. It'll probably be in week nine that he makes his return, and where he slots into the lineup will be an interesting conversation to have when that time comes. Who knows what the health situation will be of the rest of the team when DeHarnay finally is ready to go. Uh, Markov, they're certainly taking their time with him. He's 38 years old. They don't feel a need to rush him back, especially with where they are in the standings, uh, far ahead of their other competitors in the division. And, uh, you know, battling the, the other teams, uh, in the conference and in the league for top spot in the league. Uh, what is the rush really? But obviously he's, he's a guy that's sorely missed both on the special teams units and at five on five. And, uh, they're hopeful to get him back by next week after the all-star break coming out of the all-star break. Uh, same goes for Greg Pattern, who's missed a, a lot of time with a broken ankle. And, uh, you know, just having these bodies back, it's going to make a big difference for the Canadians and resting the ones that are certainly battered and bruised at this point who have been holding the fort with all these injuries happening. Um, you know, these three days, it doesn't sound like much, but what a difference it could make for this team. Uh, Color Me is one of those guys that surprised that Andre Markov was this strong at this point of his contract. I was one of the guys who thought that's a, that's a lot of money and the term, and I don't know. And here he is, a guy that the Canadians very much have missed while he's been out, and he's still an extraordinary contributor. Yeah, he is. And, you know, the best part of Andre Markov's game, and this is where you kind of see the deficiencies in some of the other players on the team, is he's made his decisions before he gets the puck. You know, we talk about his vision and his smarts on the ice and his ability to know where everybody is in place, but he's also a guy that with the experience that he's had figures out where he's going with, with the puck before the puck gets to him. And that's, that's a player that, you know, that only adds to his longevity. That only enables him to duck away from some hits that may be coming his way. It enables him to take a few less strides on the ice because he knows where he's going and what he's doing with it. He's an efficient player. Uh, Canadians have missed him. And you see the inefficiency in some other players that they have on their blue line. You know, Zach Redman is a perfect example of a guy who 50% of the time is making a decision after he's already got the puck. And I find he's often turning the wrong way. You know, here's a guy who can skate well. He can move the puck well. He has some offensive upside. Um, but when it comes to the decision-making part of the game, experience, you know, is the ultimate teacher, and he's, he's not quite there yet. Nathan Bolia, you could say the same thing about him. You know, all the upside, all the talent is there, but he's not as sure with the puck as, as a guy like Andre Markov is. So I think you see the difference with him out. Uh, wouldn't have anticipated he'd have this much of an impact at his age, uh, but maybe that's on me and, and on you and on all of us for underestimating a guy who's really been excellent for the majority of his career. So good for Andre Markov, and uh, the Canadians will cer certainly benefit from his return whenever that may be. Well, while he's out, it has been an up and down. You mentioned Bolia, but for, uh, for Petrie as well, I mean, the guy who at times is the Canadians' best player is at times not the guy he is at those other times. It's really weird. And uh, lots of ice time for the two of them on Saturday night. Yeah, and kind of a backhanded uh, comment from Michel Terry after the game when asked about Bolia playing as much and, and basically being teed up for a 
he's playing a lot better, which Terry admitted that he's playing better. Uh, you know, he said sometimes players get stuck in, in uh, sometimes the ice time is deceiving because they get stuck in their own end quite a bit. You know, when it comes to Petrie, this is a frustration going back to his days in Edmonton that the consistency hasn't always been there. And, you know, you go back a couple of weeks, Michel Therrien was talking about how he was playing the best hockey of his career. Uh, and then he goes through a couple of games where he struggles. He gives away the puck too often. Um, you know, you take the good with the bad. It's For the most part, it's pretty good on Petrie's end. Uh, you'd like to see him game in, game out, bring the kind of consistency that a guy like Shea Weber does. Um, and maybe, you know, coming off a sports hernia surgery last year could be a factor in, in why we're seeing a bit of that inconsistency. But I'd say for the most part, he's had a really good season. And um, aside from a few games sprinkled in between where he's really been off off his game, um, you know, there's not too much to be concerned about. And the hope is that he continues to get better from here to the end of the season when the games start to matter more. Another guy that fits into that category, Arturi Lekkinen, uh, scored a goal the other night. And it's interesting because rookies are supposed to slow down in the second half of their rookie seasons, but this is not real a, a real rookie, right? I mean, he, he's been a professional previously, and a guy that, uh, as a professional, got stronger. He was the leading goal scorer in the playoffs in Sweden. Yeah, you go back to his days in Finland, he's been a professional for five years, and this is this is a kid who you, you can just tell. You can just watch game by game and see the progress and know that as the games become more important, he's going to be more of a factor. And, you know, he only played, I think it was around 12 minutes against Buffalo on Saturday, but was an impact player in that game in that limited ice time. And he's great on both sides of the puck. He rarely finds himself out of position. Um, strength was probably the biggest concern. Uh, coming into the season um, just because of his size and because of the fact that he hadn't played against NHLers and hadn't played in this rigorous of a schedule. But he's a strong player. He's a strong guy. He, you could tell You could tell what kind of strength he has as he's able to get a shot off that's being challenged by a stick. It, it still comes off his stick and gets to the net with velocity. He's got a great shot, um, but his awareness on the ice is really impressive for a player's age. That speaks to his professional experience outside of the NHL and how quickly he's adjusted to playing on a small ice is really impressive. And I just, I really believe, you know, come playoffs, this, this guy is going to be a performer. And that's, uh, that's exciting for a team that as Mark Bergman always says, you need players to get you to the playoffs and you need players to get you through them. And he seems like a guy who can help you get through them. And that's important because, you know, one of the guys that was, that was key for that second part is Lars Eller, and, and they traded him away in the offseason. And with Andrew Shaw coming in on another good playoff performer, with a guy like Arturi Lakenin stepping out, with a guy like Byron playing the kind of season he's had, you get the sense that there's more players on this team that are suited for helping the Canadians get through the playoffs. All right, uh, fine performance from Carey Price on Saturday night. I don't know who would be shocked. Uh, like, all of a sudden, he wasn't the best goaltender in the world. Uh, but it's interesting. I was thinking a while back after we... Uh, we're covering the baseball, and we were in New York, and I think Alex Rodriguez had just started there, and he got off to a terrible start. And people were saying, oh, he's lost his confidence. He probably thinks he's never going to get another hit again. And I was reading a story in the New York papers, um, psychologists saying these elite athletes, they don't think like you and me. They think the opposite. They think I've been really good. I'm going to be really good. 
And I was thinking watching Carey Price on Saturday night, he was thinking, I'm going to be really good. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that's the mentality he has at all times. And he's got uh, a long career's worth of experience to fall back on uh, and, and memories to fall back on that will put him right back to where he wants to be. And the fact is, you know, we go, we talk about the slump that he went through. You know, he was tired. He, he's had some fatigue issues with the World Cup and, and getting to this point of the season where the Canadians have been through the most grueling portion of their schedule. They're coming off an eight-game stint in 13 days. Uh, they played nine out of ten games on the road coming out of the Christmas break. Uh, it's just, it's demanding, it's grueling, and there's been very little time for practice in between all of that. And that's not quite as important for some other players, like guys like Max Pacioretty, who said, hey, you know, the forwards, the defense, we do the same thing uh, every time. But for a guy like Price, uh, who has said m- multiple times throughout his career that he does all his visualization work and, and everything that translates from practice to the game, that routine is essential. And, you know, you could have watched the game against Buffalo on Saturday and said, hey, this is, you know, this is remarkably on trend with what's been happening with him. He allowed three goals for the ninth time in 11 games. Uh, all three of them beat him on the blocker side. But like, if you actually watch the game, uh, he was just incredible. You know, he made 35 saves. 25 of them were, were, were big league. Uh, another five were, were 10 bell saves. And, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that Robin Leonard robbed Alice Galchenyuk, uh, with one of the best saves I've ever seen, let alone the best save of the year, uh, Carey Price would have walked away with two points. Instead, he was the reason that the Canadians secured one point against Buffalo. And there were signs throughout the entire last week that he's snapping out of this slump. Uh, and, and I really believe that, you know, there's 10 games between now and the bye week that the Canadians have. Um, talk to me after the bye week about Carey Price. I think he's just, he's going to be right back to the superhuman level that we're used to seeing from him. And uh, I think that'll probably happen before we hit that break. And after it, I think that's going to be just key for him. Hi, Derek. Great talking to you. And for what it's worth, Carey Price's numbers are terrible in January compared to the rest of his months, his entire career. So there you go. Thanks, Eric. My pleasure. Take care. about Eric. I, I think that he needs Zeppelin right after he's done. Uh, I think it's the fifth or sixth time for some reason. I don't know. Uh, Eric Engels, ladies and gentlemen, uh, most Mondays, unless the Canadians are playing, and then uh, Mark Dumont or um, Andrew Berkshire slips in on game nights, but uh, that's pretty much the way it goes. We'll have, uh, unless there's unforeseen circumstances, Mark Dumont, uh, Habs Eyes on the Prize, will be here tomorrow as the Canadians play, and then uh, Arpin Basu, he doesn't care. Games or no games? Arpin wants Wednesday. So Arpin on Wednesday. What's the Canadian schedule this week? I think we have Kyle on Friday and Andrew on Thursday. But that's uh, that's our Habs 
Thursday's what date? I only know by the dates. I know the last day is uh, 25th. Thursday. I think the last games are Thursday. 25th. No? The last games are Thursday. 25th. <laughs> uh, or is there, no, wait a minute. So maybe if, if we oh, have... Wait, 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 26, because yesterday, because my brother's birthday was on Saturday. It was the 21st, I think. But you are right. They are. They do play on Thursday. There you go. Uh, so, so, yeah. That's so, 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 yeah. Uh, Tim Raines, by the way, he's still making the rounds, eh? He joined, uh, uh, he was on CBS Radio today. God, what's the guy's name? Good grief. Don't get old, Grant. <laughs> it's not in my control, but I'll, I'll try. He did the uh, the Everett thing with the quarterback. Called him Chrissy. Come on, Grant. I know this. Oh, come on. This was a big thing. Jim Everett. Remember the, uh, the Los Angeles Rams quarterback? Yeah, but I don't... I they, had, they had a big thing, right? He kept calling him Chrissy. Chrissy Everett. And then he threw him over a chair. So what am I looking up here? Who? who how do I find this? Everett. I'm find this. Chrissy. Jim. It'll, 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 it'll pop up right away. Come on. I'm, I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. Jim be, Rome. That's it. Jim Rome. You've never seen this? Yes. Okay, never mind. No, come never on. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never mind. I've, I've seen that. <laughs> I've definitely seen that. All right. But I took the liberty out of lifting Jim Rome's voice out of it and just took the rock answers. So that's coming up next. Tim Raines on the Hall of Fame trail on his way to Cooperstown. Welcome to the alleged show. Hi, this is going to be a shame. Sportsnet tonight with Elliot Price. That's baloney. Horse hockey. Ladies and gentlemen, wake the kids, phone the neighbors. You don't scare me. I got chunks of guys like you in my stool. Price. You want to touch my monkey? We uh, Yes. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? The Sportos, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. Yeah. Good luck, showboy. Right, uh, we mentioned uh, Jim Rome had Tim Raines on today as he makes the tour. Now that he's a Hall of Famer, some interesting answers to uh, some of Jim Rome's questions. Uh, one thing in particular, when he was asked about uh, the great teams and playing in Montreal, I, I thought it was interesting, and I went, "Hmm, really, Rock?" So much fun. I mean, in, in Canadian fans, it's certainly different from other fans. I mean, I, I don't think they really, really knew that much about baseball. Hey. Careful what you say, Rock. We're listening. But we had an exciting team. So they enjoyed coming to see that excitement that the players kind of showed on the field, and, and they gave it back to us. And I think as far as I was concerned, being the type of player that I was, the excitement that they showed me kind of made me play that much harder. I, I wanted to, to feel that excitement. And every time I got on, I stole the base. The fans went nuts. And every time a pitcher tried to pick me off at first base, I don't know if anybody remember this, but they used to put chickens up on, on, on the big big screen. So that was a little different than, than any other place. <laughs> funny. But it was it was it was it was definitely an, an exciting time uh, in Montreal, and uh, the fans cheered a little different. And I think we were the only team in baseball that that uh, I think the fans liked the the mascot as much as they like the players and he was a, he was a big he was a big time uh uh thing up in montreal there you go Yuppie. 
Um, you've heard so much about Tim Raines' first game back in 87, right? He sat out a month, and then he had the great day, culminating in the grand slam off Jesse Orozco in extra innings. But uh, what about the rest of the story? The fact that Rock did not have a single at-bat, not a single pitch in spring training or the minor leagues. The first pitch he saw that season was from a major league pitcher in a major league game from pitchers that already had a month into the regular season. Not only that, he spent his time before coming back to the Expos working out with a high school team. Uh, I don't know what it was like for the kids. I know they wasn't really that sure about me because, you know, at, at that time, I don't know if they really knew that much about the Expos uh, because, you know, we're in Canada. Uh, we're not exposed as much as other teams. And, um, you know, I think the head coach from the high school team knew me more than anybody else. But I got an opportunity to, to work with some kids and, and, and again, work myself. But uh, it, I, I enjoyed it, really. I really did. I had fun. Uh, I got my work in. And um, I wasn't really sure how, how they were going to translate to the major leagues. But uh, I got as much much work in as I could, and uh, apparently, you know, it all worked out. I guess so. One of the best days any player has ever had. Uh, Rock, as far as uh, baseball in 2016, 2017 is concerned, and the loss of the stolen base that made him so famous. I, I do. I mean, it, you know, to me, that was exciting. That was an exciting time, and, and it went for, you know, a decade. And, and I think nowadays uh, the long ball is, is more what uh, a lot of organizations are looking for. Uh, but I think I think eventually it's going to come back around. I think now that you have pitches throwing over 100 miles an hour, uh, the chances of, of, of guys swinging and missing a lot is, is a lot more prevalent. Uh, so I think in order to, to be able to score runs in situations with, with pitchers like that, trying to get someone on, maybe bunt them over, a guy steal the base, and you don't have to score runs by getting hit. So um, I think eventually it's going to come around. If we continue to get these guys throwing 90-plus and up to 100 miles an hour, I'm sure they're going to have to start trying to figure it out. I was listening to that. I was thinking, well, if they're throwing that fast, then the catchers are getting the ball sooner. I'm just saying, which gives them uh, a fraction of a second more to throw the guy out at second. Anyway, uh, Rock, of course, uh, Cooperstown coming up later this summer. Looking forward to it. And for Reigns, it'll feel a whole lot more real then. I, I don't think it's going to hit me until, until that time comes, really. Um, you know, Joe Morgan was my idol as a kid. And, and when I got called up to the big leagues, I got a chance to meet him up close and personal. And that meant a lot to me. And he's pretty much the reason why I became a major league baseball player. Because before then, my dream was to be a football player. But uh, he, he showed me something. You know, a guy my size, we're the same size, played second base. And he, he won MVP two years in a row. And I felt like, shoot, a guy that size can do that. Baseball uh, might be the way I should go. And, um, like, and, and, you know, we became really good friends. And, and you know, now I have, you know, like it's Earlier, I said, Andre Dawson, my best friend in baseball, he's been there. I was there for his induction. Gary Carter, good friend of mine. Uh, God bless his soul. Um, I went to his induction. And, and not only that, to have two ex-teammates uh, from the same team, and now me being a third, um, couldn't be better than that.
There you go. I'm sure it's not the last we'll hear of Rock. Tim Raines, just uh, making the tour with a lot to say. Good on him. Deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Enjoy it all. Rock, looking forward to Cooperstown this summer. All right, so we got an update coming up. We'll see how Grant's Leafs are doing and a whole bunch of other stuff. And we'll talk to Dan Kalis about the Super Bowl. Atlanta and New England. It's coming up. Sportsnet tonight with Elliot Price. Time now for a Sportsnet Tonight sports update. Here's Grant Robinson. The Super Bowl is set. The New England Patriots will face the Atlanta Falcons two weeks from now. Uh, odds makers expecting a high-scoring affair as it is the highest Super Bowl total ever uh, predicted. 58.5 points uh, is the line right now. We'll talk with Daniel Kalis about the Super Bowl and both conference championships uh, right after this update. Other NFL news, Jamie Collins has signed a four-year, $50 million deal with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, must hurt to see the team you were on make the Super Bowl while you're a Cleveland Brown. However, $50 million might make you feel a little better this morning. A nice consolation prize for Jamie Collins there. And the NHL, Habs not in action. They host the Flames tomorrow, and they will be without Alex Galchenyuk, who re-aggravated his knee injury. Uh, Senators have signed Zach Smith to a four-year, $13 million contract. So far this season, 11 goals, 22 points, after a career-high 25 goals last season. Uh, the NHL action tonight, Washington looking to take sole possession of first place. The Capitals lead the Hurricanes 4-1. to one. Uh, Right now, the Rangers against the Kings. Right now, it's 2-1 Rangers, and Henrik Lundqvist is heating up after really struggling for a few starts. He's got a shutout last game, and tonight, 24 saves on, on 25 shots, and as Elliot just pointed out, it's 3-1 Rangers, despite being outshot 26-12 to right now. Uh, so, again, goaltending, obviously very important. Now, Zuccarello on the 13th shot. He so. gave the puck away behind his own net. Zatkoff. Other scores, Toronto, Calgary, Mitch Marner uh, now tied with Austin Matthews for the rookie lead in points as he opened the scoring, and Nazem Kadri scored his 100th career goal. Toronto leads 2 nothing there. Anaheim, Winnipeg, still no Patrick Laine, although it does look uh, like he may come back tomorrow, as you heard earlier in Voices. Uh, they trail the Ducks 2-1 to right now. Two other games later tonight. Uh, just a couple headlines here. CFL hot off his Grey Cup victory. Henry Burris has decided to call it a career after 18 seasons in the CFL. The Raptors have lost three in a row, and the news gets even worse as they will be without All-Star DeMar DeRozan for the next two games due to an ankle sprain. Milos Raonic uh, will face Rafael Nadal tomorrow in the quarterfinals. That goes at 7 p.m. And in the PGA this weekend, Adam Hadwin finished second at PGA Tours uh, Career Builder Challenge. Shot a 59 on Saturday, as Elliot mentioned, 13 birdies. Uh, absolutely incredible round to help him get his best career to a result. And that's your Sportsnet Tonight Sports Update. You're listening to Sportsnet Tonight with Elliot Price and Grant Robinson. Already four first downs for the Falcons. Left alone, the fullback DeMarco. And DeMarco sets up goal to go from the five. Third down and goal. Ryan flushed out, flips it. Touchdown, Atlanta. Sanu. He missed it wide right. Quick snap. Play action. Ryan out to his right. There's Sanu again. Here's Rakowski right up the gut. How about that one? Pulls out. A fumble for Rakowski and recovered by Atlanta. Pass is caught. Jones all alone. 
of steam inside the 15. Second down, Ryan escapes. Gonna run. Has some room and a touchdown. Rodgers is sacked. Down he goes. Rashid Higman. Ryan has completed passes to eight different receivers. Here's one to Freeman. And Devontae Freeman spins inside the 15. They're all up on the line for Green Bay. Now some back out. End zone. Jones. Touchdown. So there you go. Uh, it was over by halftime. And by the way, uh, not a highlight from after halftime. Because the game pretty much ended there. And you know what? If something did happen, I don't know. Because I didn't watch it after halftime. Did I, did I miss anything? The worst part is it could have gotten close, right? Green Bay received. Maybe they get some momentum. You know, they score a quick touchdown and then get a stop. Maybe. What happens? They go three and out. The Falcons come. Julio Jones runs a slant, breaks two tackles, and uh, takes it to the house. So pretty much continued on from what you saw in the first half. All right. All season long, Mondays, Thursdays, Fridays, our NFL correspondent, Dan Kalis. Hey, Dan. Hey, guys. How you doing? I'm all right. I'm not a fan of either team that played and lost yesterday. Uh, rather embarrassing. Hey, you know what? Of all the playoff teams that have lost so far, I consider myself the luckiest because my team had the best excuse possible. All the rest of them... Not very good in the losses. There weren't very many good losses so far during uh, these playoffs. Both of those teams yesterday, much like the teams that lost earlier in the playoffs, and I understand they were playing as the underdogs, but they didn't make the plays. You didn't catch the ball, and there were times where there was no one around you, and you didn't catch the ball. Or in the highlights you heard, you fumble the ball inside the five-yard line. Can't do that. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, other than the Green Bay uh, Dallas game, it's been a real snooze fest of a, of a playoff. Uh, my team included, they didn't really show up, uh, you know, in week uh, one of the playoffs. <clears throat> Sorry. It really hasn't been good games at all. Hopefully we get a good Super Bowl, which I think we should because the two teams that are both uh, pretty healthy and, uh, you know, for the most part and playing uh, both at their best and have looked for the most part, uh, you know, like the teams we expected, you know, as the playoffs started. But, uh you know, it, it has not been a pretty playoffs. Uh, you know, Atlanta has, has really destroyed the last two teams. Uh, and unless you're fans of those teams, yesterday wasn't a really fun day of football. All right, obviously the Atlanta Falcons, uh, not only, I mean, they just kept pouring it on, right? And Green Bay didn't help themselves. But talk about Atlanta's defense, and because you, you, you can't win a championship on offense alone. So what does Atlanta's defense offer? And tell us how good they are. Oh, they look great. Uh, they're very young defense. Uh, the, you know, the guy that everyone talks about on their defense is, uh, is Vic Beasley. Uh, they also have a young rookie linebacker, Jones, who's, who's, uh, more one of those new hybrid, a bit smaller of a linebacker. See, he can cover, but, uh, he, you know, he comes with a bit of a thump when, when he rushes at the quarterback. Uh, they're tough defense. The one thing that I am curious to see is they've had two blowouts, you know, in the last two weeks. I'm wondering with such a young defense and a lot of young players on both sides of the, uh, of the, of the, you know, the game uh, with, with not a lot of playoff experience. If they're in a close game in the Patriots, with it being the Super Bowl, all that on them, I wonder how they're going to, how they're going to, you know, fare. But the truth is, it's been two games. They've done everything they needed to. Every time they had a third down, they converted it. It was amazing to watch that no matter where they were with a third down, Matt Ryan would find Julio Jones, Sanu, one of the running backs, whoever he needed to find, and they just kept making every play they needed to. They have done everything, you know, right up the, uh, in their two games. 
After seeing how dominant the, the Falcons and Patriots looked, uh, do you think... Well, just this round, right? We saw it was real stinkers of a game, and again, hindsight's twenty twenty, and these teams deserve to be there because they won the games. Uh, but do you think a healthy Raiders team or Kansas City or the Cowboys or Giants could have fared better this weekend, or should we really be giving credit where it's due with the Falcons and Patriots? Look, I've been giving um, uh, the Patriots, uh, I believe the credit is very due, and I was on them all season. Atlanta, I wasn't on at the beginning of the season, and I sort of haven't really been willing to give them their credit all season, and I'm still sort of hedging that, that New England will win and they'll save me from having to say that Alaska really was a great team. But they keep proving everyone wrong. Every time at the end of the season when they needed to win and they were fighting with Tampa Bay for it, they've come up, and it hasn't just been the offense, which has obviously been, you know, the top offense in the league, but it's going to be a great matchup as they face the, the, the low-scoring defense who gives up only 18 points a game. But do I think it would be different? Yes, but the truth is, is that every game is, you know, hinges on a couple plays here or there. If Green Bay scores uh, a touchdown instead of the fumble, and if they get that field goal, it's a completely different game. But at the end of the day, they didn't. Atlanta made the plays they needed to on offense, on defense, on special teams. They didn't, you know, miss any extra points or kicks like that. And uh, they're going to be, uh, you know, a formidable foe. All right. Uh, last game ever in that stadium. That's a hell of a way to go out. Here's Dan Quinn. For teams that have rocked this place for 25 years, uh, we felt your energy from the very beginning. So it's uh, only fitting uh, that the NFC Championship game, the last game played here, uh, we felt that juice. So with that, I appreciate it. When I walked out for pregame is when, um, honestly, I felt you know the intensity and the juice of the crowd. And I just remember leaning over to one of the coaches. I said, this awesome, man? And uh, so it was that not till the end do you let yourself have those moments to... Uh, to go to a different spot. So um, for me, it wasn't until uh, I took the headset off at the end, to be honest with you. Uh, a rare National Football League stadium I had an opportunity to watch a game in. When they're not good, nobody goes. It was a half-empty place. But man, uh, like most places, when your team is winning, they fill it up and they are loud, and the sound, like most buildings with a covering, bounces off the ceiling, and it was loud. Oh, most definitely. You know, when Matt Ryan got dropped, there was a lot of, you know, things weren't as good. It was, uh, it was a Michael Vick, uh, you know, he was, he was in jail or going to jail, and, and a lot of, you know, fans weren't coming, and they were very upset, and they thought, you know, no one can replace Michael Vick because they love Vick. And Ryan Schoen, he's had some ups and downs. He, you know, they had a good playoff run a couple years ago under Mike Smith, and then they had a couple of down years. Uh, but he's right back in it. We'll see how they do in the Super Bowl, and if they're a team next year, you know, the thing that makes the Patriots so great is they're in a year and in a year out, and uh, we'll see if the Falcons are a one-year wonder like Carolina or they're a team that's going to be a contender for the next number of years. All right. Here's the AFC Championship game highlights. Third and five. Brady. Well protected. All kinds of time. And that goes in. Wide open. Touchdown, New England. Chris Hogan. Brady. That's open. Hogan is having a huge first half. That's his third third down conversion. Back to him to go. The flea flicker, Brady to the end zone, and it's a New England touchdown, right back to Hogan again. Here's Roethlisberger, finding James, and it's a touchdown. After review, the runner was down by contact, short of the goal line. It'll be first and goal for Pittsburgh. The clock will start on the ready for play. They give it to Williams. And the Patriots are on him right away. Williams again, they're backing up. They are backing up two straight plays to Rodgers. Wide of the mark. Never had a chance. Back to Hogan. Chris Hogan wide open. He's got 180 yards. 
receiving blunt into the secondary. Now driving. Surrounded by five and six dealers. Still going. Can you believe this? Now for the payoff. In for the touchdown. And I, I thought that uh, the two games were similar in that uh, the opportunities that the eventual losing teams had went down the tubes kind of the same way. Green Bay missed a field goal. Pittsburgh missed an extra point. Green Bay fumbled the ball inside the five-yard line. The Steelers couldn't stuff it in. If both teams get the points at the beginning of the game, I don't know if they win the game, but they certainly give themselves a better chance, and both of them uh, dropped passes. So Pittsburgh Steelers didn't help themselves in not catching balls that they should have had that a couple Ben Roethlisberger put right on the money. I, honestly, I, everything you said, I couldn't agree with more. These teams had, both teams had opportunities to make the games different. Who knows if that would have changed the eventual outcome, but I think we can all agree that the games would have been played differently by both teams. Uh, you would have seen different, different, uh, play calling by both teams. So you gotta make it, you gotta take every advantage you have. When you get into that red zone, you've gotta score touchdowns. It happened, you know, to a number of teams throughout this playoff. You don't get them. That's what happens. But with Pittsburgh, you know, Antonio Brown did what he does. He goes seven for 77, but the other guys, Rodgers fumbles the ball. Coach drops, drops a, a pass that goes through his hands early in the game. You know, these other guys, they've got to make the plays where if you look at the team that won, the Patriots get, you know, nine for 180 from Chris Hogan. A touchdown from Sanu on Atlanta. That, that's how you got to do it. You know, yes, Julio Jones had a big game, or yes, Edelman had a big game, but the other guys got to step up. And the teams that lost, the other guys didn't step up when they needed to. Patriots, look, I'm going to go a little bit different here, but they're incredibly consistent with results. There's no question uh, they've been to now seven Super Bowls with Brady uh, and Belichick, but not with players. Uh, the only constants on this team, really, is Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Bear with me here for both of you. Just listen to these names, to key contributors to all the Super Bowls, because every name is different. David Patton, Troy Brown, Dion Branch, Randy Moss, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, Aaron Hernandez, Chris Hogan, running backs, Kevin Falk, Corey Dillon, LeGarrette Blunt, Stephen Ridley, Antoine Smith, Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis, Shane Vereen, Dion Lewis, LeGarrette Blunt. It does, there's no consistency with any key players in this Gronk's hurt too, uh, outside of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, yet they keep making it here. Everyone talks about the garbage division they're in. I get that, but they still win the conference championships know, but, but, but to get there. Grant, it's, it's not about those guys. The, the thing is, as we heard from Bill Belichick off the top of the show, is that they have the people in place to replace those people. They keep getting other players that are going to fit in. Think of the myriad of running backs that they have had over the years. One after Blunt left and came back. But uh, all it, these but guys do nothing everywhere I, else, right? I, but it doesn't matter. They bring in people that work in their program, and they get people that work. It's unbelievable. So, so to fin- to follow that up, and and you're right with with that. So, in your mind, I know does the fact that they keep making it to Super Bowls despite entirely different teams uh, help the resume of Bill Belichick or Tom Brady, who are the ones who put it together and make it work uh, d- to be the best ever in their separate categories? Yeah, well, they win a fifth Super Bowl, you would think. <laughs> you know, I, I think I think it really does because you know you know this is obviously a, you know fun. Uh, discussion that all football sports fans is they you know who's the best when are they the best the, the, the fact that they have all these different rosters they, they've also changed the style of team the first uh you know super bowl team that they had when they had uh 
you know, Kevin Falk and Antoine Smith running the ball, and they were a little bit more power and less passing. And then they went to the big passing with the Moss and the Welker, and then the two tight ends. They completely not only just changed the players, they changed the style of either offense or defense that they're running. And like Elliot says, they're always replacing it because they have guys that come in and guys that are able to, to fill in each of these spots, and they're continuously doing it. They also know to get rid of guys. People say, oh, they got rid of Lawyer Malloy. That's going to kill, you know, that's going to kill the locker room. They got rid of Richard Seymour. They get rid of all these guys all the time, and it doesn't matter. So I think it actually makes, it enhances them because you can't say that they're, oh, you know, uh, I'll take it from another sport. Phil Jackson always had, you know, Michael Jordan, Shaq, or Kobe Bryant. This guy, yes, he has Tom Brady. But a lot of those times, he had no-name running backs, no-name receivers. David Gibbons uh, was a Super Bowl MVP. Yep. Dion Branch was a Super Bowl. These guys are, are, are not big-name guys, and they do it nonstop with whoever's out there, and they keep on winning. So that, to me, is what impresses me the most. And no matter what they have, they can do it. Hi, DK. Great talking to you. Uh, this season is, is running low. See if there's something to talk about on Thursday. I know Grant can't wait for the Pro Bowl. And for <laughs> and for this season's skills competition, because there's something new this week this year. So see if uh, we, I think I'd rather watch the skills competition <laughs> than the Pro Bowl. I, I agree. The QB challenge, I like see Epic if, Pro Bowl dodgeball. Yeah. Not so much. Uh, see if we can't sneak uh, DK in for media day at the Super Bowl. Uh, that would that would be great. I'll see what I can do for you guys. <laughs> right. Talk to you Thursday. Take care, guys. Dan Kalis. Mondays, Thursdays, Fridays to talk the National Football League. But we're not done talking about the National Football League. And we're not done talking about the Super Bowl. A Montreal doctor helped the Atlanta Falcons get to the Super Bowl. Did you know that? How did that happen? We'll find out after Grant's update. This is Sportsnet Tonight. I'm Elliot Price. Only on 1280 AM, Montreal. Time now for a Sportsnet Tonight Sports Update. Here's Grant Robinson. Habs not in action tonight. They host the Calgary Flames tomorrow. Uh, however, they will be without Alex Galchenyuk, who re-injured his knee. Uh, obviously not good news, but it's said to not be that serious. Uh, supposed to be a minor injury. We'll keep you posted on that as news comes in. Elsewhere in the NHL tonight, Washington Capitals looking to take sole possession of first place in the NHL, and it looks like they'll do so. They are leading 5-1 in the third period uh, against the Carolina Hurricanes. The New York Rangers, Henrik Lundqvist, we've all talked about his struggles. We 
we saw how bad he was playing. Bounced back with a shutout this weekend. And now tonight, 32 saves on 33 shots against the Kings. Uh, the Rangers lead 3-1 despite being outshot by almost double 33-17 right now. Toronto-Calgary. Toronto looking for a bounce-back win. They lead 3-0 after two periods. Mitch Marner, Nazem Kadri, and Zach Hyman uh, with the goals there. Anaheim-Winnipeg. No Patrick Laine still. Uh, he's not back from his concussion, but he does look uh, like he is nearing return and could possibly play tomorrow. Uh, they trail 2-1 to to the Ducks. And there's two other games tonight. San Jose, Colorado, Florida, Arizona. No score in those yet. NBA news. The Raptors have lost three in a row. That's bad enough news. Even worse, uh, they'll be without DeMar DeRozan for the next two to try to get back on track. They'll reevaluate him on Friday before the game against Milwaukee. Uh, but he's out due to an ankle sprain. And in tennis, Milos Raonic has advanced to the quarterfinals over the weekend. He will face Rafael Nadal tomorrow in the quarterfinals. And obviously a great opportunity for him with the top two seeds already out. And that's your Sportsnet Tonight sports update. Right, uh, still to come, hopefully uh, we'll be able to get to uh, the Jose Batista up-close and personal interview with Hazel May from Sportsnet. But next, uh, how did a Montreal doctor help Matt Ryan lead the Atlanta Falcons? into the Super Bowl. Dr. Jocelyn Faubert from the Université de Montréal, the creator of Neurotracker. That's next. We welcome to the show Dr. Jocelyn Faubert from Montreal, from the Université de Montréal, and uh, he is uh, the creator of Neurotracker. And he has a smile on his face today because somehow he's had a hand in the Atlanta Falcons making it to the Super Bowl. How are you today, Doctor? I'm doing very well, yourself? Good. We, uh, we caught attention of your NeuroTracker by uh, reading an article in the New York Times uh, titled, Keep Your Eye on the Balls to Become a Better Athlete. So, first of all, uh, tell us about the NeuroTracker and how you came up with this idea. Well, the NeuroTracker is a form of... Uh mental gymnastics, if you will, or mental exercise to increase your ability to track dynamic scenes or when there's a lot of movements in your environment. So, you know, it, it helps you with uh, focus. It helps you with, with awareness. And uh, it's really uh, a buildup of a lot of years of work, actually, um, in the laboratory at the University of Montreal, where we tried to understand what people needed to be good at to be able to cross streets, do sports activities, and so on and so forth. And so this is the origin of the actual product. So you get a prototype and, and you get it out there and, and people start using it. Uh, what was your first foray into professional sports? How did you uh, all of a sudden get it? Because there are National Hockey League teams there, are professional soccer teams, uh, aside from the Atlanta Falcons. How did you get uh, from there to there? Okay, so of course initially we were working with different populations, including the elderly and so on and so forth. But we did, we were interested in looking at uh, sports and elites, different types of elites. And um, uh, Manchester United actually gave me a phone call. This is the first uh, really inroads into professional sports. Uh, they gave me a call in 2009, I believe, and uh, heard about the kinds of work I was doing. They were working on a sports, a sports um, cognitive training kind of program. They wanted to build something new and different, and they gave me a call, and we worked with them for a while. Uh, 
And then, of course, we also got involved with special forces. So we've, we're with most of the special forces in the U.S. and so on and so forth for the similar reasons, because they want to, they're elites and they want to be on top of the performance. And so we did validations with them also. And then it just trickled down sports and different teams, NHL, NFL, EPL, and so on. Sometimes we start off with one objective and, and come out the other end. Is this exactly what you were trying to do, or is this what you ended up doing? Um, well, I was trying to do this. Uh, the fundamental question was trying to um, you know, see whether we can isolate some of the parameters that are fundamental to the brain when you're dealing with you're making quick decisions in dynamic scenes. So that is the goal and still is the goal. So the first point was to say, well, can we isolate that with our techniques and our approaches? And then the second point was to say, well, if we can, can we enhance it? That's always been the case, even from the beginning. Now, how it ends up in different populations is really in regards to what kind of results you get. So every time we get, we try to introduce it in the, a different group or population, like in this case sports, is to see, well, first, does it relate to the performance level? And then, uh, you know, is it plastic? Is the brain plastic to this? Can we enhance that? And the third point is, does it transfer to, to the real activity, the activity of interest? So we've been going through this process all the way through. So the sports is just something that I love personally. So it was very easy for me to take that orientation. With Dr. Jocelyn Faubert, creator of the NeuroTracker. Um, as it says in the story, it's uh, the video game aimed at heightening cognitive agility, uh, the way lifting dumbbells develops muscles. W was there an aha moment? I mean, you're, you're, you're trying to uh, develop something to do exactly what it says here. And, and when do you go, I think I have something? This really happened uh, once we started the different validations because before you start claiming anything, obviously, you need some kind of evidence. You need pretty powerful evidence, especially in the world of sports because there's a lot of gimmicks out there and a lot of things that are not validated. So uh, because our approach is scientific, so, you know, we really always uh, strive for validation. So the first real aha moment, I would say, was when I was able to actually test hundreds of professionals, compare them with hundreds of, um, uh, you know, NCAA, so elite amateurs and university students, and see not only where they initially start on this task, but where they end up. In other words, how well they learn the task. And I saw that there were very different distributions. Actually, this made for a paper in, uh, in, in the Nature Publishing Group, uh, Scientific Reports, and uh, it was pretty fantastic to me to see how different professionals were to elite amateurs and how different they were to university students, even though they were all the same age, all very intelligent people. So that was, for me, the biggest aha moment. All right. So obviously uh, you have your critics um, in the story. A. Mark Williams, chairman of the Department of Health, Kinesiology, and Recreation at the University of Utah, and I quote, I have to be extremely skeptical of any training program that promotes the development of these generic visual, perceptual, and cognitive functions. Yeah. And to him you say... Yes, I say, well, I welcome skepticism. Um, I'm a skeptic myself, but the point is, 
uh, we've been building the evidence and it's, it's, you know, it's really uh, quite, quite strong. And in fact, it's not just from our laboratory, but it's building from other laboratories. I understand where Mark Williams' uh, comments come from. Uh, there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of processes and, and devices and approaches that are used in sports that are, I've never been, I've never shown good evidence that there's actually any difference. You know any predictive value in the performance and or any any transfer to the field, and we have evidence building in all these directions now there's still a lot more questions, and it doesn't take away the notion that you know in sports science where people have sort of been demonstrating that content is really important and obviously is I think it's just a new way of looking at how this all fits in. We're really sort of focused on the elite performance in this particular case. And showing that once you have content, once people have this incredible knowledge of the game, you know, which most professionals do, that, you know, a, fi- a very fine distinguishing factor is that is that mental capacity. And so I think that's still not well understood because it's relatively new. And um, we're just keep building evidence. Other laboratories are building evidence. And I think, uh, you know, this is the way to go. With Dr. Jocelyn Fulbert, creator of the Neuro Tracker, keep your eye on the balls to become a better athlete. Uh, someone that believes in you, obviously, is Matt Ryan, the quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons, who has made it to the Super Bowl. What is it about your um, creation that has made him a better quarterback? How does it work? Well, I think for that, you have to ask him, and he's been responding. Uh, he's been telling people about it. Um, he came to us in 2015, um, heard of the of the approach we were looking at, and to him it sort of made sense. So when he came to us, we started working with him. I mean, he's using the, uh, the basic exercise, but we sort of adapted it to his specific needs. So uh, in this case, we also did what we call sort of dual tasking or tactical awareness, which is sort of adding uh, defensive recognition, uh, defensive, uh, defensive formation recognition on top of the nerve tracker so that he keeps his awareness. But what's really fascinating to me, and he claimed, so he's been using it now for almost a year and a half, two years, and he he uses it regularly, and you saw his claims in the, in the New York Times article. He really believes that it helps him. Now, what's interesting is his play styles too. You know, he really delivers the ball to many, many different uh, receivers. I think he's, he's probably the one that delivers to most, um, you know, uh, to so many different receivers. And uh, I, I think it sort of helps him with the unpredictability. You know, so it's harder to defend against. So I think that's very. Uh, uh, useful that way and and uh, you know so he really believes in it and he he really thinks it does make a difference well it certainly doesn't hurt to have your item in a feature story in the new york times um no. give us an idea of, of sales previously and post and how are things going as far as uh um getting rich Oh my God! I don't know about that. I mean, I don't really uh, deal with the business side. So, um, you know, I have a partner who's a businessman. That's what he does. Uh, Jean Castonguay. He's the CEO of the company. He sort of uh, makes sure my my role in the company is really, you know, to you know the validation that what we transfer out there actually keeps 
the essence of the usefulness of the technology, you know, and and that's the fun that I'm having, you know. So uh, now we've um, we've actually the company has actually sort of uh, uh, created a, a non not for profit uh, applied research center to sort of deal with all these validations because now it's pouring in from all over. Now we've certainly had a lot of media attention. That I, I concede. I don't know what impact it has immediately on sales. I'm sure there's going to be some impact. But, I can't really address those numbers right now because I don't know them. And I'm in Paris right now, so it's hard for me to have any idea of what's going on. Uh, Dr. Faubert, thank you so much for joining us. I, I believe that you have a rooting interest in the Super Bowl. I certainly do, both as a fan and obviously as a creator of Nerd Tracker. Thanks again. Thank you very much, sir. interesting wow yeah, considering that uh, they've already made inroads to the national football league to the english premier league and to the nba hey gotta be pulling in some dollars here. i'm sure this thing is not cheap and the more it works the more you see some success right the more you're going to sell so and again if uh, if your story runs like that in the new york times people are reading it and uh, it is spreading out. So congratulations uh, to Dr. Faubert from the University of Montreal and uh, Matt Ryan. Good luck in the Super Bowl. All right, uh, Jose Batista is coming back uh, to the Toronto Blue Jays. Hazel May from Sportsnet caught up with him up close and personal. That's coming up next. Sportsnet tonight with Elliot Price, CFMB 1280 AM, Montreal.
version 6.0. I guess we're at uh, version 7.1 now or something like that. All right, so you know what? Uh, we've we've run down on our time here. Uh, the Batista interview up front and center with Hazel May. I'll push that to tomorrow night. Sorry. Uh, but, as usual, we have to get in our hockey. The fantasy update every single night uh, to take you home. Crazy game. Uh, you're not going to get out of what we watched as far as the Rangers and the Kings were concerned because... The Kings spent the night in front of Henrik Lundqvist. The, the shots don't even give you an, an accurate tale. And what did they finish up being? 38-17. But, I mean, there were shots that hit the fencemen. They were knocked down in front of Lundqvist. They hit posts. They hit the fencemen. They missed nets. And they still managed a 38-17 shot advantage and lost. Good game and goal. Uh, for Lundqvist, but man, oh man, Rangers did not do him a service out there. Uh, Brandon Peary is eighth of the year unassisted. Then Matt Pumple is sixth from Girardi and Steppen. Jordan Nolan tried to get the Kings back into it from Drew Doughty and Andy Andreoff. But then Matt Zuccarelli pretty much uh, put it away with his ninth of the year from JT Miller. Shots were way out of whack at that point. And Kyle Clifford scores, but like with two seconds left from Nolan and Muzzin. Uh, not a good, you'd have to say not a good game from Zatkoff, but we saw one goal. It wasn't his fault. The other, he just lost the puck behind his net. Totally his fault. <laughs> and uh, the Kings go down despite shots each period. 14-5, 8-4, and 16-8. Ugly. Toronto looking to bounce back. Uh, they're playing Calgary 4 nothing. Uh, Mitch Marner, I mentioned earlier, 11th goal of the season from Nikita Zaitsev. Uh, that gave him 38 points tied for the rookie lead. Nazem Kadri uh, from William Nylander. You thought Austin Matthews should have gotten an assist. I saw the play, too. I, I think maybe they changed that. They didn't give him one now. Hey, we'll you see. didn't mention uh, Kadri's 100th well, oh, career, 100th NHL career goal. goal. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, there. Then Zach Hyman scored shorthanded uh, from Martin Marinson. And then Nazem Kadri on the power play uh, scored his 20th of the season so he's at 101 now uh, from Marner and Zaitsev <laughs> you got the 101 <laughs> there you go yeah, nicely done Marner defense. now the rookie leader with 39 wow. points he passed his teammate Austin Matthews uh, that's there Freddie Anderson 25 saves so far and Johnny Goudreau for those of you that have him did get hit uh, looked bad but he's playing He he's back in the Cover game off, so ran him over. Fine. okay and uh, I didn't think he didn't get a penalty by the way but, I don't think it will be, but I've been wrong with suspensions okay. before. Some of the things I've seen uh, online tonight suggest that uh, they're going to have to have a look at that one. I didn't think, it, you know, just it's not your fault if a guy is so short that if you go straight into him, what do you do? What do you have to duck His down? His skates are both on the uh, ice when he makes contact with them, so we'll see. All right. Uh, Anaheim 2 and Winnipeg 1, and uh, we, did, uh, we did mention earlier in the night that uh, tomorrow Lion A uh, should return. We heard from Paul Maurice earlier. Uh, Andrew Cobb from Truba and Shifley. Uh, Logan Shaw, shorthanded from Crackmarosa and Fowler and uh, Rakel, his 20th. Really? He's, he's on fire. He was hurt to start the year, too. Remember that. 20 goals. Uh, from Getzlaff and Lindholm. And that game is uh, one second left in the second period. So all of those goals came in the first. Nothing doing in the second. It stays 2-1. That's uh, Bernier against Pavlik. 
And uh, shots are pretty much the same. 18 16. Raquel's the one that they didn't want to give the contract to at the beginning of the year. Remember? He was one of the holdouts. 20 goals. Uh, so, yeah, good good job signing him. That's for sure. Washington 6, Carolina 1. Washington now first place in the NHL by themselves. They pass Columbus. Dmitry Orlov, two goals. Kuznetsov and, and Justin Williams, a goal and an assist each. TJ Oshie and Lars Eller with goals. Lars Eller seems to be on this every time he plays now, it no, seems. He's, uh, as someone pointed out the other night, because I, I said he had this many points in his games and then now i think he has eight points in seven games and someone pointed out yep and he's on target for about 26 <laughs> points for the year so we'll see look yeah. right now he's, he's on one of those well. runs okay yep. if he keeps it up that will change his uh prorated numbers but right now he's on some kind of run he's yeah. hot he's playing really well he's, so he's lars eller crazy right now andre burakovsky back from injury he's got three assists tonight carl alsner to assist conley niskanen ovechkin and schmidt with a single assist and Braden holtby who's been on fire lately stopped 25 of 26 shots all right uh one nothing for florida over arizona Jakob kindle why does it say Jakob kindle uh now they've changed it it's it just said Trocek. kindle uh trocheck yeah. from kindle and marcia so and one nothing, Florida leads. Roberto Luongo has stopped all 13 shots. Uh, Mike Smith has given up a goal on the eight shots that he has seen. Is that it? Is that all uh, of them? One other game, oh. San Jose 1, Colorado 0 after Sorry. the first. If you have Matt Duchesne, bad news, he was sick, is not playing tonight. Uh, but the way Colorado's been playing, well, that's maybe scary. that's not he's bad sick. news. sick. He missed the game. He made it sound like, look out, guy like No, but I'm saying if you have him in your lineup tonight, yeah. he's not going to help okay, you. Yeah. Uh, Brent Burns, though. If you have him, he's he been good to you all you. year. Yeah. 20th goal of no the season. Way. He's a defenseman. He's that's got 20 crazy. goals. Come on. Uh, absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Schlemko and Kutzer with the assist. And Martin Jones, nine saves there. But I read, uh, I, I think the last guy that had 20 goals after this many games was Paul Coffey. Even I Mike Green didn't that. do it that no. year? Wow. So I look, and Mike Green had an unbelievable yeah, year that year. Yeah, this so. is crazy. So, so there's, your, uh, there's all your hockey scores. Um, we hope you enjoyed the show. We thank all of our guests that joined us tonight. Todd Alushko, of course, that didn't join us because, hey, the Leafs are playing. So he's a very busy man. Maybe we can get him later in the week. Uh, we thank Eric Engels. Dan Kalis and the doctor that helped the Falcons to the Super Bowl. No joke. True story. You missed it. Listen to us on our podcast on sportsnet.ca. Dr. Jocelyn Faubert, creator of the NeuroTracker. And maybe, maybe get one for your kid and turn him into a, a special athlete. Just saying. Is that it? That's Is that it. the show? That's it. All right. I'm feeling good. Yep. Toronto starts the week off Four right. Nothing. Uh, nice. Boston, they got uh, five games in hand on Boston. They're going to pass them. So the Blackhawks last night, it was two nothing. I, I turned uh, away. I came back. It was two two. I turned away. I came back. They won 4-2. Oh, they killed that that late goal against the Bruins uh, the other day. That was uh, loved it. They did it two nights in a row against Boston. Back save some, you idiots. <laughs> That's the show. Again, you miss any of it, uh, sportsnet.ca. Tomorrow night, uh, Scott Morrison. We'll talk to uh, Paul Dumont. Uh, We'll talk basketball with Dwight Walton and a whole bunch of other stuff. Thanks for joining us. That's Grant Robinson. I'm Elliot Price. This has been Sportsnet Tonight.